This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Tyrese Campbell and you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome back to this very latest episode of Every Step Along the Way podcast. So, the Stephen Schumacher reign at ERA is well underway. A fantastic 3-1 victory at Birmingham, ending a 35-year wait for a victory over at St Andrews. Um, I think the signs are looking a bit promising, aren't they, Mike? They are. Is this what we would count, count as a uh, a new manager bounce? Do you think, or is it a little bit dangerous to get ahead of ourselves because we're not allowed those, are we? We certainly haven't had them before. It's it's definitely yeah. Because I think a new manager bounce comes away, comes when the new manager himself sort of has you know, a lot of new ideas and puts some fresh impetus into the squad. And I think if you watch the end of Alex Neal's reign and then the two games that we played under Stephen Schumacher, the energy levels, uh, the enjoyment the players seem to be getting, chalk and cheese, it's this This is a new manager bounce, people. This is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of, you know, the, the way in which we're, we're playing, Dan. It, it, like you said, it's, it's energised. There's um, a purpose about our play. The amount of times this season we've said we've been playing crab football and, you know, we're just going nowhere fast. And now it's just... They're almost all running around the pitch instead of walking and moping their way around it. Uh, it's actually quite refreshing to see. I mean, it's only been, what, three games? But as you said, I think you can just feel the the freedom and the weight being lifted a little bit uh, off the players' shoulders. And, you know, we're seeing the likes of, of Ryan May actually probably starting to to see what he can offer. Uh, we'll get into it a bit more. But, yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy to count this as a manager bounce. Uh, if we go and win at Watford, then um, we can absolutely nail that to the mast, I think. And we're not just us two on this podcast tonight, is it? We have a third voice, our regular now, semi-regular, regular. What would you consider yourself a lorry? I'll go with whichever, Dan. <laughs> I really don't mind. But um, yeah. End of the um, I, I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very happy with that. Now, um, Merry Christmas to you both. And, and, and what a good couple of games we've had. Four, four points out of a possible six. Players playing with smiles on their faces, a real energy and enthusiasm about the way that they're playing. I think what Mike said 
Um, there's a real purpose with with what we're what we're doing in certainly yesterday, and um, what a smashing performance! Um, I'm sure we'll speak about it uh, in a lot more depth as as the pod goes on. But yeah, two thumbs up from me. Fantastic. And um, what do you think has been the biggest difference for you then, Laurie, since Schumacher took the reins? I think there's been, um, certainly from my perspective, it seems that the players seem a lot more positive. The shackles are off. And, um, yeah, uh, just just a lot more energy. I think he's keeping things nice and nice and simple, something that I'm really happy with. We've gone back to a regular back four. And, um, yeah, just, just a lot more positivity about the team. Um, good to see. So looking at the Birmingham game, I mean, obviously Wayne Rooney's Birmingham was the uh, the opposition, weren't they? Uh, Mike, what did you think when the team sheet landed? Um, kind of what I've expected, if I'm honest with you. I think if you think about the players who've actually got out to, I mean, I know kind of like Pe- uh, Pearson uh, was uh, you know, back in the fold a little bit, but I don't think he deserved to necessarily just walk back into the team. Um, but if you you know you think about everyone else. I, I don't think you could really kind of complain. I don't think anyone would have expected much different. It was great to see Junior in there again. He's he's like a breath of fresh air. We've talked about him a couple of times now. He's he's going to be not with Stoke for very long. Let's put it that way. If he carries on as he's going, uh, just just the pace and energy uh, he he brings. The defense is the defense. I'm, 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 as we literally speak right now, I've got the Birmingham highlights up, um, going through it, and I, I just think it was. There's an element of got to keep the team the same to try and get a bit of continuity. I don't think we can keep changing loads and loads. It's very, very difficult to do at this time of year. We all know that. You know, there's a lot of games. Where is it? Four games in eight days, something like that. I fully expect we'll make some changes for Watford out of necessity. But uh, yeah, the, the team, Dan, is exactly as I think most people would have chosen, if I'm honest with you. The key for me, yeah, or the, the key decision you had was whether to bring Ben Pearson straight back in. I mean, Mike touched out then. Were you surprised that Thompson got the sort of the holding role job? I think he seems to like him. Um, quite a steady, steady player. Um, I, I think I think the fans wouldn't... Perhaps wouldn't have been shocked if if Pearson came back in, but it's a it's a bold move by the manager to to stick with JT and um, you know he didn't disappoint, did he? So uh, for me, he keeps his place in the team uh, leading up for Friday. So uh, a solid performance by by him yesterday. I you know what though? I, I I've been one to criticise Thompson, and and I think at times. I think he's deserved it. I, I, what what I can definitely say here is that he's had a really good couple of games, and I mean the goal is I mean he, he's hit it cleanly. That's all he can do. You know, if, it's amazing what happens. You know, if you take a shot, it can sometimes take a deflection and go in. Like they don't have to be tappings. We don't have to go down the Arsenal route of of walking the ball into the net. We never will probably never be like that. But yeah, look, Thompson, forget his goal. I just think he was he's been really solid. He's pointing himself about. He's trying to do nothing special. He's trying to break up the play, and he's going to let everybody around him do that. Um, I, I think part of me. Maybe feels that before was he feeling like he had to do more, or the other players around him weren't really as supportive. But I can't criticise the guy for for coming in. And I mean, I know we've we've probably got like 
a couple of players who who may be able to play in that position. I find it difficult to get Pearson straight back into this team because is right now I think drop, dropping JT would be extremely harsh. And you know we've all we've all been crying out for players who you know when, when they play well that they, they stay in the team. So you can't be too faced with that. And just because you like Pearson, which I do, I really like Pearson. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's can't be brought back in just because of JT. Maybe in future he won't make a stupid. You know, decisions on getting himself booked and sent off. This is what it opens him up to. So if he has to really bust a gut to get back in because of the other players are playing well, that's good enough for me. Do you know what well I said? Do you know what I think personally with with JT and um, you can tell he's had a good game, can't you? He's not Jordan Thompson or Thompson. He's JT. <laughs> um, like you look at the way we were playing under Alex Neal. And I don't think that suited him at all. I don't think he was a bad player under under Michael O'Neill. I thought he was quite steady. But I think his form dropped in the last sort of year, 12, 14, 15 months. And if you look at you look at that goal he scored yesterday, I mean, you're saying there about taking shots from outside the box. Look how many players we got in the box for a start. I mean, both fullbacks were in this in the box, and you know, Gooch Hoover, Jr. Um, we're all in the box on a counter-attack there. I mean, that would never have happened, would it? So when the crosses come in, there are, you know, how many options did Vidigal have to pick out? And Hoover could have buried it. Gooch then had it cleared off the line and it's come back to Thompson. Now, Thompson's been able to hit that first time and, and, and you know, it's, it's got a slight nick deflection to get to the bottom corner. Now, that deflection's come because that defender is sprawling himself. The goalkeeper's sprawling back across his goal because everything's moving so quickly. Now, you think how we were playing before, how much time we were taking on the ball. I mean, I mean, we keep going, I keep going on about it, don't I? You know, I mean, of the difference in you know how slow we were under Alex Neal and that was the problem. But that goal, that first goal never happens because you take too many touches, you take touches, you go back and you go sideways. The defence steadies itself. And you say, why don't we shoot from outside the box? Well, the thing is, we don't because you've got nine, ten men in front of you. Whereas in this case, yeah, you may have had five or six, but they were all scattered and you know, people out of position, people running across, and they were panicking. You know, and he hit that shot, and that stuck a deflection, I'd say, because a stray leg from a panicking defender. And that's the difference when you play football with a high tempo. You play with a quick, quick tempo. You will create chances like that. And you might, like, see... It's a good strike. It takes a deflection, makes it not the prettiest goal, or doesn't really matter. The fact is, that's come from high pressure football, from people going forward and people dragging other players out of position. And what defender wants yeah, well to said. It's their own goal? It doesn't happen, does it? How many times in this league, you know, you don't have to be the best, but you put some pace and you get people running at defenders. What's the, what's the one thing that, you know, the, the likes of Huth and Shawcross and stuff have said over the years? They hate running back towards their own goal. And it creates problems. It, it, it creates difficulties. And you're right. I mean, I've, again, I've just rewatched the highlights as you've been talking. There's As that ball comes in from Vidigal, uh, you've got four players in the box. You've got uh, May, you've got Gooch, you've got Juno. Um, you, and I think, uh, I'm trying to think of, I can't see who that other person is. Is it Henry? Yeah. So, okay, so there's, there's, so there's, there's them. So you've got, you've got them against the five players of, uh, of Birmingham. And I said to you last week, Dan, if... With this Birmingham team, if you get in the faces and put the pressure on, they'll fold like a pack of cards. That's exactly what they did. There's a real 
you know what? If I was a Birmingham fan right now, I would be extremely concerned because if if anyone of like QPR or Rotherham or anyone picks up a bit of form, these are going to go down. That they need to be careful. That was a pretty shocking team. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not claiming to have seen Birmingham a lot, but if I was sitting there watching that, and you could tell from the reaction after the game, if you looked online, none of them Birmingham fans one way Rooney in that club, and he's. He's demolished them, but I also think that maybe John Eustace had a bit of a purple patch. I mean, there's no way that these players could be this bad if they're the same bunch of people at the start of the season. So I, I, I just think you're right. And high energy, players with belief. Um, I'm not quite going to suggest what Wayne Rooney was offering to do to the Birmingham players at halftime. <laughs> I think we've all heard the audio. Um, <laughs> but, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what he's offering them, but if, if that's what it takes, <laughs> why not? <laughs> You might have gone out with a spring in the step. <laughs> Who was on the auto queue there? <laughs> Somebody having a laugh, <laughs> on not it? <laughs> you know what? It's, it's funny. Somebody said, there's a couple of Birmingham fans I've seen today, and they said it's their, that was by far the worst they played at home. They said away from home, especially under Rooney, they had been dreadful. Yet it's not really. They said at home, they've always been able to stay in games. They've been competitive. They haven't had the best results, but They've, always, they've been in near enough every game. So if if that's their away form and now it's starting to creep into their home games, he's not going to be in that job for very long. And if the, if the owners are stubborn and persistent because he's their man and, you know, well, you know we brought him in because of who he is and he's, we're going to stick with him, then they, they're going to, pre- going to prepare themselves for a relegation battle. Yeah, he's going to be in big trouble. I think... You look at his 13 matches, two wins, three draws, eight defeats. It, it spells disaster. Is he the sort of manager that's going to galvanise players? A suggestion would say no. And um, it looked like a very young team to me, Birmingham-wise. I, I, uh, lots and lots of youth in there. And could they could they cope? Um, with, with regards to yesterday's performance... Uh, as the away team, you really always hope that you can perhaps get an early goal and silence the fans. Well, we didn't just manage to get two goals in the first half and, and didn't manage to just silence the fans. They started to turn on the team and boo them. It it actually reminded me of the Britannia at times, um, uh, first yeah. half, where they were almost booing every single po- uh, misplaced pass, um, long ball that that went off for a, a goal kick for us. Um, similarities. Yeah, you you you're spot on. It's, it's exactly how it felt to me when that second goal goes in. The the camera panned to um, just showing the the, the the goalkeeper and their players basically walking back and the boos rounding, you know, sounded around. It's you're right. It's exactly what happened at the three six five uh, with Alex Neil. He, I think his time when you was numbered. I think the thing that's not helped with Rooney is him coming out, you know, for for a few weeks saying, "Oh, we're we're improving," and I'm like, "But you're losing games. How how can you be improving?" It's I think fans know when they're being absolutely lied to, and, and I think again we're, we're not. We've can't say we, we've all watched Birmingham loads, but I, I would just be really, really concerned if I was a Birmingham fan. I, I really would. The sooner they get rid of him, the better. And let's hope they make a better decision with a man who actually knows how to manage a football club next time round. Um, but I suppose, I suppose, what I wanted to ask you boys about, if you don't mind, and Dan, I'm, I'm sorry to jump ahead. The with with the kind of Gooch situation, what, what do you think? 
what do you think's happened to Gooch in a way? Because I think since you know Chewie's come in as well, he seems to have given him a new lease of life. I know that goal the other week was a bit of a fluke, but uh, he's just he's again full of energy. He seems to be driving forward a new lease of life in in Gooch for me. Another very new position for him. So was it right back against the Albion and uh, and sort of a, a left wing slash left forward yesterday I must admit I was I was a little bit concerned with um, two right-footed uh, left-sided players with Henry and Gooch but you know like Gooch was magnificent again yesterday it it does what it says on the tin he's he's full of energy enthusiasm big smile on his face and I feel that's probably infectious around uh, the the dressing room and possibly uh, slash definitely one of the reasons why he's in uh, up the pecking order for for being a club captain for the new manager. I, I think I think he's great. Application, effort, and energy was one thing that Tony Pulis's teams used to be very successful with. And I know we bring him up a lot on the pod, but you know we're talking about a successful time. And Johnny Walters and co, they were really hard workers. They may have not been the best technically, although he did take his goal very well, actually, Gooch. But, you know, they they work their backsides off and any Stoke fan will take a player who works the backsides off. And if they can chip in with a couple of goals and good performances, then nine, 99 times out of 100, no one's going to complain. So I think that's it for me. He's he's just a real workhorse, which you, I don't think you can have too many of them, if I'm honest. No, and I think Steven Schumacher definitely can't have too many because he's obviously playing a real high press game and he's sort of and that's how that second goal came about, wasn't it? We you know, they they, they he's asking he's asking John Ruddy to play short goal kicks <laughs> and he wants him to play out from the back. That's what really does. Obviously, you know, that, that wasn't the case under Eustace. He knew the limitations of some of the players that he got. He knew the strengths, he knew the weaknesses and he, and he accommodated them. Wayne Rooney, since he's come in there, seems to be adamant he wants to play this way. And I think I think what's happened is, we may say, like, you know, we're getting better or and they're still losing. I do appreciate what he's saying. And, and if he feels that they are understanding how he wants them to play and are um, getting that, then it could be a case of short-term pain for long-term game. However, the game that we put all them against us yesterday, there is no way that that is any kind of progression, surely. Um, because that is a very low bar they're starting from if they're progressing, and that's the performance they're putting in. Um, what I will say is, obviously, with we're mentioning them with Gucci and that, and obviously the high press that we're doing, we we know that um, you know they were trying to play it short. So then we've they sort of set up for a short. We've we've pressed, 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 and in the end they've started to go long, which. Again, they're a bit confused here. What what are we actually trying to do here? We should be playing short, but we've been forced to go long. They're being made uncomfortable, uh, even though it's probably the best way for them to play because it's actually against the game plan they're trying to carry out. It's confused, you know, they're confusing and that, and they're being forced to, into a different play. So then we've picked the ball up, and then they've got people out of position because they've set up for the short goal kicks. Uh, like I said, the long ones come in, we've won the ball, and then bam, bang, Gucci's in. And absolutely fantastic play by Ryan May. One of the one of the touches of the season of the championship, surely. You won't see many better little, you know, little um off the cuff assist than than, than that one in this league, surely. Um but Gucci yeah, really run through, kept his head, um, you know, got his own, got his head over the ball and just drilled it in. And yeah, great second goal. And I'd say it was 
nice two 0 lead to take in at half time, wasn't it? Pretty much brought up what I was going to mention about you know Ryan's again. He, is he going to be an out and out goal scorer? Maybe not. But if he's if he's going to be doing what he's doing right now, and that's bringing other people into play and those little flicks and tricks, sometimes you don't need to be a, a top goal scorer to be successful. I mean, think back to the likes of you know Mama Sidibe. Back back when he was, you know, in his height when we got promoted, he what scored four goals all season, and two of those run pretty much towards the back end of the season were important goals. But his contribution to the actual, you know, the flick-ons to follow and and all the other players around him, sometimes you actually don't need. I mean, somebody I can't remember who it was now said that Robbie doesn't score enough goals. He's, you know, I don't really care for them as he's going to put them on the plate for somebody else. So. I think you, yeah, you nailed it there for me. Ryan's been really good. He was so unlucky that that burger um, dancing around that he did was magical, and that ball, if it was a tiny bit less forceful, which he probably has to do to get it through that gap in fairness, but it was tiny a bit less, or Ryan was a fraction a second quicker, that would have been goal of the season. But again, Ryan's movements allowed that to happen. Burger who has been, and again, he's a new man all of a sudden. He was kind of fading away a little bit for me this season, but again, since Shoes come in, he's he seems to have that free reign to just do what he wants to and express himself. It's, it's, it's really refreshing to see. I'm not saying we're absolutely going to be turning our season around completely, but it's at least refreshing to see. And, uh, somebody said in your um, Southern Supporters Club group chat, didn't they? Uh, your WhatsApp group chat, Laurie, that you know, what's happened to Berger? Where's where, where's this form come from? You know, what what's happened since Schumacher come in? And I think I replied to him and said, "Well, isn't it funny what giving talented players a bit of freedom can actually what they can produce?" Absolutely, yeah, uh, a new lease of life for the for the lads. And you mentioned in the last podcast, he's 22, 23 years old, still sort of discovering how how he's going to best develop in the game and formations and systems. And here's another manager that's given a slightly different um, way of playing. He wants to be very uh, front-footed in his pressing game. I actually worried uh, for Berger's um, attributes, uh, if truth be told, on, uh, on the way that Schumacher wanted to play and, I was thinking, because we did discuss him being quite one-paced, and yeah, I, I was just a bit concerned about how how he'd be able to adapt. And um, I've been left to eat humble pie because I, I think he's been brilliant. He he dovetails JT very well, which kind of gives gives us the busyness of JT uh, with the. Uh, possibly you you'd say the intelligence in passing of Berger. He started to drive with the ball, and I haven't seen this too much in the past. Where um, Berger's got it, and he's looked to play um, quick, punchy passes, perhaps sideways. When I feel, uh, or certainly I've noticed uh, in the last couple of games, he can really drive a ball forward and wrap a pass into. Uh, Ryan May, or uh, as he did with Vidigal yesterday, hitting him into uh, a space where he he drives through and and scores for the third goal. It's it's just very refreshing to see him come into his own in a new system. And um, uh, as I say, uh, prove prove fans wrong. 
how refreshing was it to see Vidigal put that in the net for a split second when he when he gets that ball on the right, you think, oh, he's just he's messed this up. I think that's going to be a huge goal for him from a confidence perspective. Yeah, for sure. I think he's needed that, Anthony. I mean, you saw in the first half just before Gooch scored. Um, literally seconds. That was that goal kick that, that we then scored off. Um, he, he sort of, yeah, he should have buried that chance on too, really. And he put it, you know, or at least hit the target and we're at the goalkeeper. And it was just to, to see him go, like, say, quite a second off. And, and he's another one now with his head up. And I, I thought he looked better on Saturday without looking great. He looked like he was still holding back a bit or still not on top form. But he was showing more signs of getting involved, more signs of you know cutting inside, dribbling, um, and then I thought again he looked dangerous. Obviously, he supplied across for the first goal, um, the third goal he scored, a good little run. I I actually think you know that he's had a dip, and I think we might he might just be one of those streaky players that comes on and is just you know, has a great eight ten games and then he goes missing for a few weeks and then he'll come bang into four and four or five games, then he'll go missing for six or seven weeks and then he'll, and I think that's the kind of player he might just be. That might just be his personality and, and everything. Um but if we, the more we can get the good games out of him, he he is a real asset at this level. And him, Ryan Mai, Berger, all on the same side, all you know looking to supply things. People mentioned about Ryan May there. You said there, Mike, Ryan May doesn't score enough goals. Not you personally, but somebody said to you, he doesn't score enough. Look at the goals he scored at the start of the season. Look at the finishes on them. He's obviously can finish. He obviously knows where the back of the net is. We just, we've not given him any chances. You know, uh, for, it's, it's, how many times has he missed? How many times has he gone, oh, he should have buried that. I can't remember many times where he thought that. He's had chances in front of goal like, um, Saturday was it Saturday where he where he had that and there was, there was three defenders all chopped his arms at it and blocked it. He thought, well, yeah, he could have. He was six, eight, six, seven, eight yards out. He could have scored. He maybe took a little bit too long, but that's probably because he hasn't scored in a while. You know, he missed a penalty. Um, I think he's. I think a massive thing as well is if he can. You know, he hasn't scored in front of the booth then yet, and that to me he missed a penalty there. I think that's why he took that penalty. And I think the first time he gets that, I think that'll be a massive. Lift. He might not even know it. it. Might be a subconscious thing that he just the fans, you know, celebrating in front of the the Stoke fans there behind that goal. Um, when the ball goes in and he's there, I think that'll be. And then you know, running off into the corner or behind the goal, whatever, and celebrating with him. That again will give give him a massive lift, I think. And we have got some very talented footballers. We just need them to be consistent. And at the minute. The last two games, they look like the shackles are off and they are really enjoying themselves. And when good attacking flair players are enjoying themselves, the opposition are in danger. Do you think part of the fact that we know we've got talented players, is it easy for us just to forget that at the end of the day, these players, hardly any of them have actually ever played in the championship before. We're still in that getting used to it mode, where actually next season, in theory, with a season behind them, we could actually then start to see the best of them, as well as obviously Shuey's tactics coming into play. I, I don't English. know. I, I, according to a lot of Stoke fans, that that landed after six games, didn't it? That settled in period. <laughs> that, that's how long he took it before people said, no, they should know now. They should know about the championship by now. <laughs> Um. <laughs> completely agree. Completely agree. I think in this day and age, you don't get given time, do you? 
it's it's almost like um an acceptance well you're a professional footballer you you need to you need to be ready and you need to be delivering and executing in that bedding in period uh, particularly if the team is losing or or should i say not winning uh, becomes even more um pressure increasing i uh, i think there needs to be with 18 transfers as well in in the summer and and some fans do forget that with 18 players through through the door and um a fair few out of the door it's uh, that bedding in period is so so important and um i think i think it was almost rushed because we we started well and then it was like the honeymoon was over and then we then we came back uh, crashing back down to earth and with this being yesterday it was our first win since what late october and yeah it it was it was uh, very uh, almost very strange but then you look at the new manager come comes in and he, he's clearly galvanized the guys and uh, Dan rightfully said shackles off. Uh, Vidigal looked um, very excited and happy to be on the pitch. Uh, although I might say when he scored the goal, it was a bit of a relief for him after having a handful of chances. But hey, we're making those chances for him. Uh, Ryan Mai was tremendous yesterday. I thought he was brilliant in everything that he did. Led, led the line well. If players are scoring around him, fans will get off of his back. Uh, because he's chipping in with assists now. Uh, he's a nuisance in keeping the centre-halves very busy. Um, Bay can be a big, bit of a nuisance as well. I, I still think we need to find a sort of a, a position and a role for him, because uh, he, can, he can go missing at times. He is very raw, but I, I think there's a real player there as well. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think yesterday he did kind of fade in, in and out of the game. Uh, he never looked like he was he did anything wrong. I think he is just struggling to see where he fits into this. But I guess you know, from his perspective, he's come over to a brand new division. You know, again, we know his English is is probably absolute bare minimum. It, it the most right now. He's had Alex Neal telling him to do one thing, and then he's had a new manager who, let's face it, his accent's probably confusing him for a start, but he's, he's had a new man come in and he's got new ideas and things like that. So he's probably a little bit confused on what he's actually meant to do right now. Or, you know, he's trying to find his feet. And you mentioned partly, and uh, and I'll, I'll finish with this and let Dan come in, but you mentioned about the 18 players and stuff like that. That's probably what? <laughs> Way over double figures, may, I won't say all 18, but how many of them are having to relocate? Some of them from different areas of this country, some of them from foreign countries that they've, you know, they, they've brought family over or they haven't got family with them. They're going through Christmas for the first time without their families. You know, some, some of these countries have international breaks during this time, so they used to spend it with families. There's all these little elements that I think is very easy to forget as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that with, with Bay... He's got a lot on his plate, so I think we were right. This season, this is about getting him a little bit used to the division for me. Shall we look at man of the match results? Well, just before we go into that, can I be? Um, you know, we, we 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 don't want to be accused of being too much of a positive podcast, do we, Dan? So uh, there was a couple of uh, negatives, I guess, from 
yesterday, and I don't want to harp on him too much because it was a good result. First, first one, Henry, absolute shocking defending, quite frankly, for their goal. Um, like weak Sunday league level type of defending that was. I think Rose could have done better. Uh, as well, he was almost just stuck a leg out. <laughs> I think it was just a bad bit of defending. Uh, Bonham, again, we know his limitations. He's when he saves the ball, he palms it so often back into the danger area. So I think there was three players there who just were completely. Again, we, we, I think either all three of them have had bad seasons. I think generally, um, but I think those were negatives. And then my final one uh, is actually I've said to you, Dan. Dwight Gale, what that guy's doing, pulling on a Stoke City shirt in 2023, I don't know. I think I heard someone say that, again, I was on Radio Stoke, I can't remember it was now, uh, but somebody said about, he, you know, he, he puts himself about and he you know causes issues for, for defences. He hasn't caused an issue for a defence in about a decade. Like that, that guy should be nowhere near a Stoke City team. The likes of Wesley must be pulling their, their hair out. Anyone on that bench who thinks who's a striker, whether it's Lowe or Tezgal or whoever, all of them have to be ahead of Dwight Gale for me. He comes on, he does absolutely nothing, and then he goes and what pulls his hamstring. Just just let the guy fade away. It's, it's a shame for him as much as anything else. He needs to just either retire or see out the contract till the summer and drop down a division and see if he can find a bit of fire to finish off his career. But I just, yeah, a three or four negatives is not... not Nothing dramatic, but uh, yeah, I think those were the only downsides for me yesterday. There was not many of them. Yeah. Um, Henry, uh, for me, I know I'm picking on him over the last few weeks, but I just find this, I'm going to say diva. And it is is kind of diva-ish body language that I'm seeing bit of eye rolling, bit of shrugging, uh, this this idea of um, kind of not taking accountability for errors, like that for for their goal, um, very lackadaisical, am I going to press the, the winger or am I going to step off of him? It, he was very kind of 50-50. Um, he then went to engage with a tackle, kind of dangled out a leg for me and didn't didn't go in there with any necessary force. And then as soon as the players passed him, uh, this whole idea of, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be racing back here. I'm gonna be jogging back. And the game's passed you by at that stage. Um disappointed with with that particular moment. Um, as as you said, Dwight Gale, big question mark over him. Why why is he getting minutes? Has he got something on the on the chair or something like that? But um, yeah, th- those were the main ones for me. I said to you, didn't I, last night? Uh, like at the start of last season, those first few games. It's a very small sample uh, size, but those first few games, he had a few goals, didn't he? Where he was offside. There's a couple of them who wasn't actually offside, it seemed, but they got given offside. Um, and he thought, okay, he's, he's, he just needs to to find that rhythm. And then and then Michael O'Neill left. Alex Neal came in, and the form never really got going, apart from a couple of counter-attacking displays, like Sund underway, where he got a couple, and where he was getting space, and we were, you know, I say playing on the counter, playing with pace, playing, getting the ball forward quickly. And can you see where I'm sort of leading with this? 
I think you maybe get Dwight Gilmore much more suited as any goal poacher is going to be to the football that we seem to now be playing under Stephen Schumacher than the football that we played for 90%, would you say, of Alex Neal's tenure? Um, you know, bar those couple of months, which was, what, March and October? Yeah, March and October. Um, I just wonder whether, and I'm not saying it's going to be fantastic, but I just think it's worth him having a few minutes here and there just to see if it does work and if there is still a player in there when we're playing this style of football. Just think back, though, Dan, to Cardiff at home. He fluffed a couple of chances. You know, you might not fit into a system or you might not you know, be able to get yourself into massive, dangerous areas all the time. But the amount of times this season when he has had a chance, he's fluffed it. That's not down to fitting into a system. That's down to quite piss-poor finishing, to be honest. I, I don't think... You... The thing is, though, we, we wonder why our strikers don't score goals and why we're 20-odd years since we've had a 20-goal season striker. For how, how long have we been playing and how many years of that have we been playing football where we don't produce chances? And strikers, strikers need to, when the ball comes in and they're there to finish, they need to know, uh, you know, their, their last chance needs to have not been too long ago. They need to know that the next chance isn't going to be too far away. With our strikers... Look at Ryan Mice. I want to say, how many chances has he had this season? You know, he has one good chance. He might have to wait three games for the next good, like you know, decent opportunity to come along. I just don't think you, you as a as a goal poacher, as a as a goal scorer. I just don't think it's a healthy environment, confidence wise, when you don't know when the next opportunity is coming. I think if you if you if it's one of them where it's like. If in your head, as that ball comes in, you like say subconsciously, whatever, you, you you know that if you miss, if you fluff this, it doesn't matter because in 10, 15 minutes' time, you're going to get another opportunity or you feel that you feel that's the way, then I think you're a lot more relaxed than that. And when you end up snatching at chances because it's been, like I say, it's been three weeks since you last saw the, saw the, back, saw the goal. I think when the team's scoring three goals uh, away from home, uh, as we did yesterday, uh, and none of those scorers are, are your recognised number nine centre forward, then nobody worries too much. It's when you have little droughts, none of the team are, are getting many goals, and then straight away the finger starts getting pointed at whoever your recognised number nine is. I I don't know about you guys, and uh, and I may get slated for this one, but um, I've I've seen I've seen a lot of um, Tezgel playing for the under twenty threes, and a uh, few highlights of of him playing for the under eighteens. There's a definite goal scorer there, and I, I completely understand that under twenty threes isn't first team football. And I just wonder what your thoughts are of, of when fit, of course. And I know Daniel have seen my messages on the WhatsApp group and, and things about him. And uh, my I've made my thoughts very clear. But uh, what are your thoughts about Tezgel potentially, perhaps when fit and later on in, in the season? Well, I'd 100% say that he would replace to Gale every single second of the day um, for the simple fact that I'd rather Tezgal and Lowe to be missing those chances rather than Dwight Gale because I think at least they will learn. Uh, I think they would offer a lot kind of energy. You know, we want energy. 
That's exactly what both of them can offer. I just think if you can put if you put them side by side and the value of whether they have chances, whether they miss chances or finish them, the, the value of having those younger players in those situations far outweighs it, you know, somebody who's on, on his last legs. So for me, I, I agree. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Tezgal comes back in and you know, he's he's hopefully learned from telling the manager that he's fit when he isn't. I understand why he did it. Uh, he's, you know, he's he's want, he's got himself into the team. He wants to impress. It's just a bit of naivety, so I don't blame him for doing that. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a, it's the definition of a no brainer, Laurie. Yeah, there's always that stigma around telling the manager that you can't play in the. Oh, is he going to think I'm soft? Is he going to think that you know I'm not? Um, yeah, I'm not up to it, or I'm I'm not physically uh, prepared for for the pro game, whatever. So I understand where he's probably, you know, done that. Like you say, it's, it's understandable. I, I personally, the more I was just said about Gale, I would, you know, I would be more than happy for Tesco and Mike to be in there. Like Mike says, they're going to be learning, they're going to be developing, and and they are the future of the club. You know, whether you believe it or not, Dwight Gale, you know, I'm not self sentient. No matter what he does between now and the end of the season, he'll probably leave this football club in the summer. Nathan Lowe and Ray Tesgall will hopefully be here for years to come. They're going to grow and develop into really good championship, possibly even Premier League um, footballers. You know, both of them have been in the England setup at youth level um, to a decent level. And, you know, if it wasn't for injuries, I'm sure both would have had even more minutes with the first team. Um, what, what I would say, the only counter argument to that is that. We, you're saying there, Mike, that you would mar, you would rather Tesco and Lowe be missing them chances because at least they're going to develop and in the years they're going to become better footballers. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Now, Stephen Schumacher has just seen Alex Neal get a sack after just over a year. Michael O'Neill got the sack four games into a season after bringing in his own players. Uh, Nathan Jones lasts longer in the year. Uh, uh, Gary Rowett lasts seven months. And then Paul Lambert before him was there for six months. This is why managers don't board youngsters and will go with tried and trusted footballers. Because what benefit is it to him to progress somebody for the next manager who's coming along? Because the chances he's missed has cost him his job. We as a club, if we're going to do that, need to appreciate and accommodate that that settling in period and that imp- that time needed to grow and improve as a footballer and as a fan base individually I'm I'll, I'll be honest and I'm not trying to be all high and mighty I'm more than happy to appreciate that but as a group we've seen far too many times that people say these things I mean we said it earlier on didn't we with you know six games into the season People had completely forgot about the fact that we had 18 players that needed bedding into the English game who come from all over the world. It's like people will say one thing, but then when results don't come, all of a sudden the you know the the booze and you don't know what you're doing, sacked in the morning, all them kind of things start creeping in. It's you know because of the results, and so sort of like, that's what I was sort of saying. You know, as, as a youth player. It's difficult to get your chance when the manager knows that he can scarcely afford you to lose him games, if you like. No, it's a it's a fair point. We just need a yeah, it's a mixture of giving 
the manager time to to allow those decisions and him being brave enough to take them uh, on his side as well. But um, yeah, we better move on to to man of the match, I guess, aren't we? Russell will be here forever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, man of the match. Uh, so for third place, Lyndon Gooch was seven percent of vote. Second was Junior Chamaday with thirty four percent. Any guess who's who's first place? Burger by any chance. It was included for his second consecutive man of the match. Second time he's done that this season. 45% of the vote of Wouter Berger. You know what? I actually think this is one of the closest weeks. I think all three of them deserved it for me. Berger was, I think, had he not done those stepovers and stuff, I don't think he wins that. That's how close it is. I think that little bit of class sticks in people's minds, understandably. But I think this is one of the closest weeks. I think all three of them deserved it. Well, player of the season standing that you mentioned last week, didn't you? Just a bit of an update. Um, eighth is Josh Loren. Seventh is Jack Bonham. Joint fifth is uh, McNally and Mark Travers with 205 points each. Uh, fourth is Ben Pearson with 209. Third, Mehdi Larice with 212. Second, Lyndon Gooch with 255. And first place with a 91-point lead after picking up his seventh man of the match of the season, Wouter Berger. Yeah, well played. It's Isn't it worrying that a player that isn't even on your books at the moment is still in the top five? Travers <laughs> is still above the current goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. And no, stri- no strikers to be seen in that uh, top half either. <laughs> Well, no, because like I say they've, they've had no, no opportunities, have they, all season to do anything? Andre Vidigal's top scorer isn't even in there, is he? I think he's just outside by that. He's ninth. Um, right, let's get into very briefly into news. So yeah, it's going to be very brief this week because there's no under 18s, no under 21s, no women's. Uh, and to be fair, with everything that's going on, um, there's not really much news to be going at. Obviously, over Christmas, not much coming out of the club. Uh, it's all matches, isn't it? Matches, matches, matches. Um, January's around the window. We do know that there's a 10-page dossier um, handed out, wasn't there, uh, by Jared Dublin to the club, Mike? Um, do you think we should... Yep. Uh, shall we do our own little dossier of, of people we think could be available and who we might who would like to look at um, and maybe stick it into one of the early January pods? Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to have to do that, aren't we? Uh, I definitely. I'm glad you're not putting me on the spot because uh, I can, I can, give you, I can give you one name. That's about it. So uh, yeah, Art Travers is that by any chance? It is absolutely. <laughs> um, one thing that is interesting, um, and interesting, maybe worrying, is that the Premier League has apparently halted the EFL's new new deal um, over a funding dispute. So do you think this is possibly the EFL, well, the Premier League sort of flexing their muscles a little bit? I think there's definitely an element of that. Uh, How much the Football League have in terms of, you know, pushback, I'm not in the detail. You you know, you might be able to tell me a little bit um, more about how likely you think it is that they're going to be able to get a deal over there. I, I thought, was this not part of the whole... Uh, you know, the, the more televised games and, and all that big situation. I, I thought that was al- already agreed, if I'm honest. I don't, I don't know why they're going back on it now. I thought it was all signed and, and sealed, but I'm, I'm guessing not. 
I wonder if it's to do with the uh, football regulator that's coming in. So uh, yeah, yeah, something that I, I think it's one to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll do a bit more research. I think it's only it's quite new news. So uh, yeah, we'll do a bit more digging. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So then, we're preparing for our trip to Vicarage Road. So we have played 42 times. We've played Watford. 17 wins, 7 draws, 18 defeats. At Watford, we have 8 wins, 3 draws and 10 defeats. Um, it's been quite streaky, you know. Since 2002, we won 4 in a row against Watford. Then we went 6 without a win. Then we won four in a row. Then we went five without a win. But then the last game we won. So hopefully that means we're at the start of another sort of winning, you know, four or five game winning streak. It seems to be like, you know, one, one team gets a stranglehold on the fixture and then, you know, after you know, a couple of years, two, three years, it, it switches hands. Um, now, it's very strange that like, the clubs have identical home and away records in this. So Stoke have seven, uh, Stoke have won seven, Drew three and lost eight at home, but also the same away as well. Um, Valerie Ishmael, he's three times to play Stoke, won one, lost two. It was a 2 0 win uh, in, at Barnsley uh, for him in February 21, uh, where his defeats 1 0 away at West Brom, 1 uh, 0, sorry, away um, to Stoke when he was West Brom manager, and also 1 0 defeats uh, when he was Watford manager in August of this year. Schumacher's record versus both Ishmael and Watford is just the one game which was a nil-nil draw at Watford in August this season. Stokes' away form has them 18th with 12 points. Um, the last three games away from home, they've won one, drew one, lost one. The last six games, they've won, drew two, uh, won two, drew two, lost two. The last nine, they've won three, drew three, lost three. So, if that is the most inconsistent club ever, isn't it? They, they literally, in groups of three, are winning one, drawing one, and losing one of every three fixtures away from home. Um, Watford's home form, they are 13th in the home table, 19 points, but they are three without a win at home this month. Uh, last five matches, we are 14th with six points. Um and obviously the weekend, sorry, the uh, the game, last game that we played uh, on Boxing Day ended a run of nine without a win. Whilst Watford's last five matches, they are ninth in the in the form table with seven points. And both teams have scored in their last seven matches. Now, a few games, a few other stats. Stoke have used 31 players this season, more than anyone in the league. Watford have used only 23. With only West Brom and Bristol City, who have both used 22, have used less. Expect some cards in this fixture. Stoke are second, 59 yellows, and Watford seventh with 54. 
in the, uh, the most sorry in the league this season. That's the second and seventh most in the league this season for yellow cards. There have been seven penalties saved in the championship this season. Daniel Batman in goal for Watford has say is saved two of them. He's the only key goalkeeper to save more than one. Uh, Watford have the fourth highest defensive actions from keepers outside the box. So 45 times this season, their goalkeeper has come out of their box, sort of, you know, clear the ball, um, or, you know, intercept a through ball kind of thing. Uh, whilst only QPR have done it less than Stokes 18 times. So our goalkeepers are a bit more, um, you know, like to stay on the line a bit more. They don't like to come out of the box. Whereas Watford are very much playing with a sweeper keeper, it seems. Um, Watford are the only team to concede more than one direct free kick this season. Stoke have only conceded the one, which obviously the goal at Southampton. Uh, whilst nobody's conceded more than Watford from corners. They've conceded six goals from corners. Stoke have conceded five. So, well, we found somebody worse, the worse at defending set pieces than us. <laughs> That's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Only Leicester and Southampton have launched a less percentage of goal kicks than Watford's 15.1. I think this is really interesting, actually. We're talking about how the high press, you know, how we forced Birmingham to go long. Now, Watford, 15.1% of their, their goal kicks go long, uh, you know, not played, you know, not sort of passed inside the box, whatever. Stokes are the sixth highest, 68.5% of ours are, you know, pulled down the pitch, if you like. So that's a massive difference in approach, isn't it? Uh, whether, obviously, Schumacher will then want a different approach, we'll have to wait and see. Um, nobody has attempted more crosses this season than Stoke City. 493 crosses we've attempted this season, uh, whilst only Blackburn and Leeds uh, have, have had more offsides than Stoke, 55 uh, by the way, in contrast, Watford have had 437 crosses and 32 offsides. Uh, the ref the ref is the new one. Scott Oldham, 16 games ref this season, 49 yards, 3 reds, give 5 penalties, 9 home wins, 2 draws, 5 away wins. Uh, he's never ref Watford, never ref Stoke. It's only his third ever championship game. Uh, both the previous two ended 1-1, which was Sunderland v Luton in March, which feels like an absolutely massive game to have given somebody as their first ever game in the championship. Two teams that were in the playoffs at the time, <laughs> um, Sunderland and Luton. And he also refed uh, Reading versus Birmingham in April, which, again, a fifth I believe, was not that long a relegation battle. So, yeah, I think they've given him uh, two big games there, aren't they, last season. So, yeah, this is his first, his first dip back into the Championship this season. Um, on this day, Saturday, December 29th, 2007, Russell Holt made his first start of the season for Stoke after sitting on the bench and watching Steve Simmonson all campaign so far. Uh, but after 82 minutes, he was sent off for fouling Sylvain Ebanks-Blake. Simmonson then reclaimed the shirt and Holt left for Notts County at the end of the season. So, yes, that's everything. Um, how do we feel this is going to go then? Mike, I'll come to you first. You know what? I think this is going to be really unpredictable. Uh, you nailed it with some of them stats in, in the sense that they're a very inconsistent team. I don't know which Watford team are going to turn up one week to the next. I mean, I know they play like a 4 1 4 1, which I know can, it's, it's a very fluid formation in the sense that it can be ultra-defensive or ultra-attacking as they go through the game. So depends how well kind of drilled they are. Personally, I, I think, I don't know. If I'm honest, I, I keep going back and forward. 
my, my, my head's saying a bit of a draw on this one, but I think it's going to be a, a an interesting game, but it very much depends on who turns up. We know that Watford one week can score four or five, and as they did at the weekend, you know, they, they've obviously gone and conceded, uh, you know, four at home to, to Bristol City. Who know, I mean, they're, no, they're, we're wrong, Bristol are no mugs, but they're, I mean, 4-1 away, really? I, I don't think many people saw that one coming. But then I think if you look at, at Watford previous week, I think it was, I think they were 1-0 down against Preston, if I remember rightly, and then they ended up winning 4-1 or something like that again. I haven't got the fixtures in front of me, but I think that was pretty much there or thereabouts. Like it's, yeah, the definition of inconsistency. I do think that our you know our pace and our movement, if we can keep that up, I think that's definitely going to do us uh, the world of good. I mean, there's a, there's a few players that you know I think are pretty pretty decent for there. I think is it, is it a Spriller? Uh, I think he plays on the right typically, so he he is someone I've I've always generally had half an eye on. I think he can be a really good player at times. Other than that, Kone maybe in the middle. I'm just trying to think of anyone else. Is Livermore still play holding holding midfielder for them? I think. I think he does. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, so I mean, I haven't seen him play for a while, but I mean, he must be getting on by now. Or he's just one of them players who uh, has been around the you know the world for for, for years and years. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think if we turn up and play our game, I genuinely think we will be perfectly fine. I actually don't see us losing this. If I'm very honest with you, uh, I'm feeling quite confident. But yeah, as as a as a team at home, they still. Do like to have a lot of possession. You know they do have plenty of shots. I think you know they, they get the, a good chunk of them on target. They do have more possessions. So, um, is this a game where we maybe have to go more down the counter-attacking route? I genuinely find this one really difficult to call. Uh, I don't know about you, Laurie, but uh, it's it's not going to be a walk in the park. I don't think. No, I, I agree. I think I think it's it, it's going to be very. Very unpredictable. You've you've made some very good points. Watford last two home matches have been defeats for them, so they're not going into it with massive confidence. Last five games, two wins, one draw, and two losses. So it, you could flip a coin the the type of performance that perhaps they're going to be shelling out. So um, yeah, who who knows what we're going to be faced with? I did see uh, the extended highlights of their game yesterday very vulnerable and shaky particularly in wide areas at their fullback areas and I'm not sure if you guys saw this but uh, the Watford manager substituted both fullbacks and Jake Livermore suggests that he really doesn't mind upsetting people so those players would have got a time and um, you know that those sorts of, uh, of situations can almost make or break a a dressing room if you've got a manager confident enough to do it but um, often it, it kind of goes the other way and, and players start to become very uneasy so uh, yeah um, I think it's it's a game that we can get at and we, we need to be attacking in wide areas and as you mentioned Mike can we can we be looking to uh, hit them on the counter-attack very punchy passes into wide areas and, and get at them that way I think if we can do that and if we can be organized and structured at the back then then why not we could we could come out of this with three points uh, I'm not going to say with with no problems but um yeah I, I think we can be positive to uh, tomorrow and Friday 
I think there's a lot of um, and there's a lot of similarities to Birmingham in in the sense, that, like you say, we can we can get down the get down the sides and, and get some balls in. I mean, I, I haven't seen the extended highlights like you have, but if if that's where they've been vulnerable and they've been both substituted, that says they've got a problem. So, I mean, if I'm you know Schumacher and thinking about how can we we make the most of this game, then surely is going to be saying pretty much you know this basically go against same as Birmingham. I think the only thing that maybe crosses my mind around what may hamper us a little bit uh, is is more around our personnel. You know, can Berger do it again? You know, is 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 the fitness there? Um, who else? I mean, Vidigal, he's still coming back from an injury. Is he able to go again? Um, Jordan Thompson, will he have to drop out because he's been you know, pretty busy? Is he going to drop out for Pearson? I think that the, the nature of how quick we're having to turn these games around and then again, two days later, get Ipswich at home, which are going to be a very high tempo, very difficult game. Like He's got some interesting decisions to make for me. Yeah, I think we sort of heard as well, didn't we, from the uh, the uh, the Argyle Life um, guys who we had on uh, about Schumacher saying that he likes to make a lot of changes. So this could actually sort of play into his hands. And when I'm looking at their attack, I'm I'm like you, Mike. I'm looking at Espria, and if I'm the Watford manager, I'm looking at getting Espria in a one v one against Henry. And it worries me to death. So that would be, if we're talking about a formation here, um, perhaps not a formation, personnel here, that would be my biggest concern and my one area that I would perhaps think about changing. Um, if Aspria is playing against Junior, I don't think that's going to cause us, us problems. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. I think Junior will, will get the better of him. But uh, with Henry, different kettle of fish, I'm afraid. How did people think? I mean, with Henry, I mean, I actually don't think he's been that bad lately. I mean, he didn't cover himself and glory for the goal against Birmingham, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think he's actually picked up his awareness and his play around um, you know, in, in defence in recent weeks. And it's interesting, obviously, because you you see sort of John Stones, Trent Alexander Arnold, that you where they've sort of been putting, you know, they play in defence, but then when we've got the, when they get their team out of the ball, they sort of you know, drift into midfield and become an extra body there. He seems to me to be doing that against Birmingham, isn't he? Yeah, the amount of times he'd sort of been sat there, you know, with Berger, he's in the head of Berger, Thompson. He was in and around that midfield when we had the ball. He was certainly getting forward. Do you think that? Do you think that could be using his attributes? To, yeah, we obviously he's on the ball level skills and that to the max, and obviously not sort of concentrated. Future knows that Hoover's going to be going forward, and then he just sort of drops and covers in defence for him. Do you think? Do you think that could be the best use for him? I think playing him higher up the field is is going to be more beneficial to us, particularly offensively and when the ball gets turned over uh, defensively. So would would it be perhaps uh, an option to switch Henry and Gooch around? Have Henry higher up the field so that he doesn't worry us too much in, in a defensive uh, perspective. But then I suppose the counter argument to that is Gooch was so effective in a high press situation against Birmingham that that, that could be... That could be an, an issue. Uh, is Henry going to be prepared to 
be on the front foot, um, pressing high up the field if he's if he's put in that uh, higher position. But I, I wouldn't have him left of a three. Uh, sorry, left of a four uh, against Aspria. No, I I I think that all the, it was quite a fluid system against Birmingham, wasn't it? I don't think they really had nailed down positions, or at least in you know with the ball, without the ball, maybe they were in two different formations and two different styles. I think what he liked about Hoover was that when he got the ball, I think he sort of like tucked inside a lot. He wasn't sort of playing out wide, was he? He tucked inside, and then Gucci would just drop a few when we didn't have the ball. Then when we got it, he liked the fact. I think he liked the fact that Henry's cut so comfortable on the ball, and so then he he can trust him to, you know, to sort of bring it out and like say carry it into the midfield, and that's what he wants. He wants people who can change, you know, and, and take the ball forward. I mean, there was a couple of chances. There's a couple of times. Did, did anyone notice the pass that? Junior played first half where he was facing his own goal and the ball's come to him first time and he's played it with his left foot around the corner and literally just put it in sort of like into the middle of the pitch, into the middle of the pitch, basically. Um, where Henry I know what you mean, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. it's like, that, then again, that, that to me, just highlighting passes like that, that's a completely different... Uh, approach to playing into it, you, you know that it's that sort of carefree. That don't worry if you you know um, about giving the ball away. Don't worry about any sort of errors, and and just play with play with freedom. Look to play on the front foot. Look to get the ball forward. And you you know, you, you if you take chances, you're going to create chances. And it's that kind of motto, isn't it, that that we seem to be playing with. And I think it was Henry who was on the receiving end of that ball, and obviously he had to be alert to it because otherwise there were a couple of Birmingham players. But I think that he played it then first time to Bergen because that ball was sort of in an area where it could have been won. That um, the two Birmingham players descended on it, it touched the Bergen, Bergen's then got a bit of room and a bit of space, and we can get on the counter. So we need to keep playing that risky football. I know it's gone off on a tangent there. Uh, we need to play that risky football still. Um, I think we will. I think we will. Um, we'll keep playing that way, and then, like I say, the chances will come. And I think he could be quite pivotal because he's so comfortable on the ball, and he will be that link between the defence and bringing it into midfield and get the ball forward. Um, so yeah, I still think there's, there's a role for him here. I'm just hoping. <laughs> I do think he'll come so, good. See, so my team, I just let you know, I'm not, I'll cover it briefly, Dan. Um, I've I've dropped him actually completely out of the team. Um, so I've gone for a back four of Gooch on the left because I think it'd be very harsh to drop him at all, and I, I think he's too good in that position. So I've got Gooch, McNally, Rose, and Junior. Uh, so Junior's playing on the right, and then I've got Thompson and Berger in those two uh, midfield spaces. And then it's either, well, Vidigo on the left, Juno in the middle, May up front, so no big shocks there. Uh, Campbell slash Larice will fill in that right-hand side for me. Uh, surely Campbell's got to be close to being fit now. Now, that's more so we are protected in the defence rather than me thinking that Campbell really deserves to kind of come in right now, or Larice, to be honest. But I've got the same 
kind of reservations here as as Laurie. I just think we're, we're, we're out problems there. Sorry, just to mention with Lloris, he was out with concussion. Uh, it was actually Henry who did that. Henry booted him in the head, didn't he, against um, uh, against uh, the I think now who did we play at the weekend? Uh, Millwall. <laughs> yeah, Henry kicked him in the head at Millwall, and then he had to have a big sort of bandage for it on him, and then looked quite groggy. And I did sort of you know commented you know that it didn't really look on it or sort of you know where he was kind of thing. To be honest, and then uh, he was quickly subbed at the start of the second half. And uh, the manager sort of said, you know, he, he was actually concussed. So it's not not the greatest that he was allowed to come back on and play, but at least he picked up on the concussion, you know, quick enough at the start of the second half. And then they've um, thingy, but obviously concussion protocol. I don't think we're going to see him until Brighton. It's two weeks into. It. I think you have to have two weeks off day with a concussion. Okay. Um, so so yeah, I think it's a three week, three week Dan. Three weeks so. Yeah, so. it, it, it certainly is in rugby, and I think they've, I think they've mirrored it in football. Yeah, so it's going to be sort of mid January before we see him again, isn't it? So the simple one for me then is you move Vidigal to the right, put Haksavanovic on the left. If Campbell isn't fit, I like that. I'm, um, I'm a fan of Haksavanovic. I think he's he's tidy. Nice, agile, direct player. Um, he's got a lot to give to Stoke. Certainly not Daniel Johnson. Please, for the love of God, do not play Daniel Johnson in that uh, any of them front three positions. I'm going to... You know one thing as well, um, Laurie, which um, just very quickly, uh, one thing I did Definitely. say, what I mentioned around the whole uh, you know, stats, I think you said, was he 23? Uh well, 23 changes, I think, Watford, one of the lowest in the league, something like that. That could actually work against them if they're a team that really don't want to keep switching things up. We talked about fixture congestion. Well, maybe their reluctance to change players up means that, you know, if we can stay in that game, you know, for a good 50, 60 minutes, if we're either winning or it's it's level, that could be a real chance for us to to use some of our extra energy, maybe, with, with the rotation that we can do to just sneak it and get that one home. It could be it could be as simple as that if they're not willing to to be flexible. Yes, yeah, certainly, and like in those fullback areas, as I mentioned before, like our our white players want to be licking their lips at, at their fullbacks, thinking, "Let's be direct, let's get in their faces, let's test them in the final third and get get balls into the box for 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 May and the um, the opposite winger." I think there's a lot a lot in this game for us. Yeah, I think, yeah, like I say, they've only used the 23 players, as well as they're there, remember, in the stats. And I I think this is, but this, these next few games, this one and Ipswich as well, the big game coming up. And, you know, if we win this game, that, it's going to be, the, the Bet365 will be rocking for that Ipswich match uh, on New Year's Day. I really um, think, like I say, that the fact we've got a bigger squad will come in handy. Um the fact we're going to be high energy, we're going to be high pressing. It's definitely going to be, you know, playing to our hands. I think that we've got a bigger squad. What do you think in terms of your your starting eleven, Dan? Are you so um, Mike mentioned his, but yeah, so I'm going to have. So I'll play a bottom in goal. I'm going to keep the defence sort of as it was. I think junior. Um, 
sort of Junior on the right, McNally Rose, and then sort of Hoover and Gooch sort of coming down that left hand side, sort of being the quite the fluid sort of interchanging as they were. Um, I think you've got to keep Berger in there. I wonder whether John Ho will maybe drop drop out and maybe um, maybe Pearson comes in for Tom's. You know, nobody deserves to be dropped. You know, nobody deserves to be dropped to have this team, but it's weird because I feel like we need to freshen it up and I feel like Schumacher will. It's weird. It's, it's all about fitness. Yeah. It's, yeah, so Pearson comes in, Berger and... Uh, I suppose you, you, who do you play with him as? Uh, Jono, actually, yeah, Jono didn't really play uh, much in the game the other day, did he? So it's not as if he's going to be playing three games. Um, I think my Vidigal and... Um, I imagine you've got, you've got Gooch, haven't you? Uh, um, I love how even now you're not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying to count up make sure I haven't got too many players on the pitch. <laughs> um... I think you could, I mean, could you even play Haksabanovic as like sort of a 10 and have Berger and sort of Pearson sitting a little bit deeper, sort of controlling games? Um, he did that, that at uh, Huddersfield, if I remember yeah, right, when that, we went down and he looked really good. Yeah, that could be an option. I think that's probably what I'd go with, to be fair. Because um, you've got Gooch, like I say, Gooch and, and Henry coming down the left hand side, haven't you? Um, Junior can support Vidigald on the right. Um, and obviously, because Gooch and Hoover are both right-footed, whoever whichever of them is further forward can then switch with Vidigal as well. Vidigal being on the left, um, so there's plenty of options. And love. I think that'll be the key. Just keep moving. But for me, uh, I think if we can press, press high, force them to go longer because they really don't like it. They don't want to. They haven't done it all season. We've shown that, and then the stats. If they can get them to do that, then again, it's another club we made uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll do that. And I think that could be the key to us getting something. Uh, I'm, am I going to predict us to win? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I would take a 1-1 draw at this point, I think. Well, I'm going to give you a very ambitious 3-1 win. Stoke 2-1. I, I would say, Dan, I'm... I like some of your thoughts that you've discussed from the team. The my, my main issue, as mentioned, is Henry. So I'm just going to force Gooch back into that left-back position. Henry gets dropped, and I'm going to place Haksanovic wide left. I'm going to keep Bay on because I like his energy, and I think he gets up and down the pitch, and he provides... Uh, a lot of options in that 10 position, whether that's going to be his position as the games roll on, I'm not sure, but um, he, he did enough. I think he did enough, so he'll be in. So that's my only one. Henry comes out, Haksanovic in. Gooch left back, Haksanovic wide left. Um, and yeah, Stoke Stoke 2-1 win. I will gladly sacrifice seven predicted points, just one of you. Here's <laughs> <laughs> hoping that he will. Um, Mr. Graham McGarry, has he got some audio for us this week, Daniel? He has indeed. So here is Graham McGarry. 
Hello there once again you Potters predictors and what a great Boxing Day evening you must have all had with a terrific win down at St Andrews for the new manager Stephen Schumacher. Is this the start now of a decent run for Stoke City as we end 2023 and go into 2024? Of course Stoke heading for Vicarage Road and they're also looking for a double having earlier beaten the Hornets by a goal to nil at the Bet365 Stadium. Plenty to enjoy in that victory over Birmingham, but it's all about now getting on and making it more consistent. If talking about consistency, that's one thing that Watford are definitely not having this season. They're a side that can win games, they're also a side that can lose games. So can Stoke get those points on the board? I think they can. I think it'll be the same scoreline as well as what happened earlier this season. Watford nil, Stoke won. Cheers, Graham. He's going with you too. He says a one-nil Stoke win. He's on, on, on the pessimistic one. This is, I'm, I'm not used to being this one, am I? Maybe well, I'm I think scared. Maybe I'm scared of all this that free-flowing football. Don't want to get carried away. <laughs> Didn't you say three-one against Birmingham, though, Dan? If I remember it right, last week. I think you did. Do you know what? I think I said 3-1 against Millwall and then said 1-1 yeah. against Birmingham, I think. I think I got the, the draw and the 3-1 win the wrong way around. <laughs> uh, OK. Well, uh, Graham's normally not too far wrong, so uh, look at a win's a win, but it's 1-0, 3-1, 2-0, 2-1, whatever. I think any of us will take you. But I think, like you said, if we, if we can get if we can get a win, wherever it comes, then that, that New Year's Day against Ipswich, I mean, that's going to be a bloody difficult game. They are an exceptional team. So I think, but on the caveat being that I'll, and we'll get into it on the Ipswich pod, but I also actually think that they could be susceptible. Again, time of year and everything as well. Um, I always think New Year's Day, I've got something about them. Uh, a bit like midweek matches, there's always something there for me. So yeah, um, it could make for a very interesting New Year's Day. And then imagine if you beat Watford and you beat Ipswich. The confidence would be incredible from everywhere. Now that's a lot of ifs, right? But what a what a transformation that would make, and that would, as I said, that would define the uh, the new manager bounce. And all of a sudden, you're looking up the table, not down the table, which would be nice. I mean, it's amazing that we're just. I think what was it nine points off the playoffs, seven off the relegation zone. There's literally not much in it at all. It doesn't feel like that, does it? the season we've had it really is the most competitive division in the world I don't think anything comes close to it where you can have three three match winning streak and you're in and amongst the playoffs and then you lose three on the trot and you're, you're kind of dipping your toes near the, the relegation zone it's remarkable really um so your sixth town challenge for this week, should you wish to accept it, name me Dwight Gale's last six clubs, including the one he's at currently. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I'll give you the current one, Stoke City. <laughs> <laughs> at least we got one ticked. I mean, I do. I think I might know all these, but Laurie, I don't want to jump ahead. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to kind of, um, yeah, cramp your style on this one. Newcastle, 
would be another one. Uh, are we going to, Danny, are you going to tick them off for us as we go, or do we have to get all yeah. of them kind of, okay, so Newcastle? Yep, so Stoke, West Newcastle. Brom. West Brom, yep, they're the last three. Crystal and Palace. Palace, yes. Um, yep, and then if one, one would have been pre-Crystal Palace, which was Peterborough. Correct. And then which team did he play for before Peterborough? I think. Not a clue, no, sorry. Can... Have you got it, Mike? No, that's as far back. I, I can't. I, um, I don't know. Now, I think, I think they were non-league. Can you give me a, can you either confirm or deny, Daniel, or not? Um, I will, I will say they are a well-known non-league team. They're quite a big side. It was, it was plucked out of non-league. Mm-hmm. He's a Londoner, isn't he? So, yep. I, why am I thinking Haven't and Waterlooville, Mike? Is, is that, do you think that's anywhere close to where think we need bigger. to be thinking? Think I was going to say, I think I think they're a bigger team. I just I could I couldn't give you the team. All it is somebody and somebody. Ah, oh, uh, Hampton oh. and Richmond. No, it'll be bigger than that. It's going to no. be Dagenham and Redbridge, isn't it? If you think in that area, it is. Be Dagenham. Dag- it, that is correct. Dagenham and Redbridge. Well played. <laughs> there you go. With with two lives, <laughs> with well two done. lives used. Do you have? You have conquered the six downs challenge. Um, I, Laurie, it's been a pleasure to have you on again. The Potters are going to go and get three more points of Vicarage Road, and we will then head to Bet365 on New Year's Day, bouncing along for uh, the 2024. So, yes, let's end 2023 in style. Go on, Stoke. Go on, Stoke. Thanks for having us, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.